Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Hi, I'm Heather Renee May, and this is Flipping Dreams podcast. One, two, three, four. I'm going to tell you a story about how my theory is that I think living in New York City in an SRO on the Upper West Side prepared me for RV life. So if you don't know what an SRO is, it is a single room occupancy housing in New York City. And when I moved to New York, this was around 2002-2003. I was actually in Austin, Texas at the time and I was thinking I wanted to move back to Seattle. I was still dancing and I wanted to move back to Seattle so that I could uh, continue to perform and and uh, work with ARC dance productions out of Seattle. and. The director of my company uh, at the time, Marie Chong, she said to me over the phone, she said, Heather, you need to go to New York City. And I was like, why would I uh, ever do that? Like, honestly, I'd never been further east than Chicago. And it just sounded terrifying. I mean, you know, of course, everyone, when I talked about it, they were like, oh, you're going to get murdered or killed or worse. So um, I just... New York was never a destination on my radar screen for some reason. Uh, anyway, she said, Heather, you need to you need to go there. You need to actually compete and know, you know, and, and really train with the best. And I thought, okay. So there I was in Austin and I thought, well, um, I guess I have nothing to lose. Let me go for it. Uh, so like many of my uh, ideas... Many of my adventures in life have started with less. <laughs> so I uh, threw all my belongings in my Saturn and I drove to New York City. I found a room to rent on Craigslist from a woman in Washington Heights. Um, I drove up there and I remember it was during the day and this is by the George Washington Bridge and this it was a huge apartment building and i had to you know it's by myself and i'm having to take multiple trips from the car to the elevator and waiting for the elevator to go up to the whatever floor it was 20th floor or whatever and um this guy leans out his out his window and he's like 
hey, lady, you better not leave your car there with your stuff. Someone will break in and take it. And I, and I just look at him like thinking to myself, it is daylight. Like it is like midday. Like I'm on a, a busy street. How is that even possible? But he goes, oh, don't worry though. I'll keep an eye out on it for you. And I was like, okay, this is New York. So luckily, yes, I got all my belongings inside. And this was my first kind of temporary place that I was staying and renting a room while I figured out and got my bearings. Um, it was very far from where I needed to be to train and which was on the Upper West Side. And so long story short, I ended up um, finding a realtor and he had an SRO, which is basically a single room for rent on the Upper West Side, um, which was very desirable. And in fact, in order to secure this room, I had to go through the realtor and pay a fee. So I think if I remember right at the time, this was like, I think it was around $750 or something for this tiny room. Um, but it was like worth it because then I was blocks to walk to steps so that on Broadway so that I could train and um, I was close to the the trains and, and just had a beautiful Riverside Park to walk in and anyway. So here's where we get, let's get back to, you're probably wondering, Heather, what, when are we going to get back to RVs? Okay, so this, I was thinking the other day as I was uh, downsizing and getting rid of more things to figure out how I could, what I could fit into an RV to live full time. And I thought, this is actually better than living in New York City in an SRO. And so this room that I lived in, it was it was not a walk-up building. It did have an elevator uh, that worked most of the time. But it was a single room that could only fit a futon sofa that when the futon sofa was pulled all the way out, there was hardly any space to even walk around it. Um, there was a little table, a window, a single window that faced inward inside the building to, it was kind of like a, a, a I don't know, a, um, a boxed building. I, I don't know what you call it, but where the inner windows look into like the, the it's, it's basically like an air shaft. And so then um, you can see the people across from you. There's, there's hardly any light unless you're near the top of the building, which I wasn't. So um, very little light, single window. Um, no kitchen. I, however, had a closet and I was very lucky. I had a sink that I could use in my closet, but I was going to have to share a bathroom in the hallway. Um, so this all terrified me, of course, because I'm, you know, by myself, I'm young. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, this, it, it's just not, it's not ideal, but it's the best I could do at the time. And, um, and so this is not unlike being in an RV because in an RV, like my time spent in my RPOD, there was hardly any space. Actually, I had more space in my 18 foot, almost 19 foot RPOD. I had more space. I had a kitchen and I had my own bathroom, a dry bath even. So um, the other comparison as I was like thinking through um, how living in this SRO might have prepared me for this sort of lifestyles. You know, very little storage, um, 
I was cooking on a hot plate that I had borrowed from a neighbor. Um, there was, I had a little, I had to purchase a mini fridge, which is just like an RV. So like six cubic feet or less. So basically you're buying groceries every few days because you can only store so much. And of course you can't really cook anyway. Uh, you could buy in a microwave maybe. So most of the time you're eating out anyway in New York, but, um, so there you have it in my RPOD. I was able to cook. I was actually saving money, um, and eating better. Uh, I didn't have to most people. Yes. Uh, there are campsites that have wonderful facilities, restrooms, showers that you can use. I luckily didn't have to do that because I had my RPOD, but like my SRO, very similar, um, laundry service. You have to figure out how to lug all your things up the street or in this case now, um, up the campsite to the laundromat, whether you're using one of those little buggies or carts, which is everywhere in New York, people have buggies, the carts where they have their, put their groceries in or their laundry to go run their errands every day. Um, there's lots of people in New York City that are constantly moving in and out. And I think that's very similar in campsites. You have a certain number of regulars, people that are, you know, full-timers. They're there, they're all the time. Their setups, maybe they have, they've built decks that attach to their RV or they have plants, they have, you know, uh, bird feeders and that sort of thing, squirrel feeders. But, um, but most, but there's a fair amount of people of in and out traffic, people who are just visiting um, or seasonally visiting. This is sort of similar to New York as well, where there's tons of people. It's a city of 8 million people. And yet there are still regulars. Like if I would go up to uh, my neighborhood Irish pub, then, you know, there would, you'd always see um, the same cast of characters. But then every now and then you'd see the tourists and the different people that were coming in to visit or, you know, coming in to uh, try out the Upper West Side for a little bit and then move somewhere else. Um, another thing is that people who live and choose to live in RVs are chase, generally chasing a dream. They're chasing the dream of freedom, of maybe they, they want to write, maybe they just want to explore nature, they want to disconnect, which ironically they're disconnecting um, similar to the city, like people come to New York and they're chasing dreams. They're chasing professional, personal dreams. Um, and yet we're all crammed together in very tight places. And the thing about RVs is that yes, you have your freedom and your space in your RV and you can hitch up and go and wherever you want to. But when you're at a campsite, actually you have very little personal space. Your boundaries to the next campsite are maybe a few yards and um, you can hear and smell and you, all the things that your neighbors are doing um, and see if they don't, you know, pull their blinds. Uh, and so it's very similar to living in a big city where you're all crammed together and you're learning to coexist. Um, one of the things I really appreciated uh, about being in a campsite, especially this year during the COVID quarantine, was that um, I really appreciate the fact, and, and particularly not just the quarantine, but also the political 
upheavals, the tension, the violence, the just the general weariness and fear and all of the things that have been very divisive and, and pulled people apart and made us more afraid of our fellow human. And that's something that in a campsite, you really can't hold on to. Because when you are part of an RV community, you're you're part of a community of strangers who quickly become friends and people that you rely on for all sorts of things, whether it's helping you with a hose that's leaking or you know maybe someone uh, is running to the store, running an errand, picking up something you need or helping you with your propane tanks or you're just chatting or maybe your dogs are, are visiting or, you know, there is a constant buzz in the RV community at an RV, um, at a site, particularly um, at the like parks or resorts. And you become, you learn very quickly that, yeah, while you may feel very comfortable flying whatever political flag that you feel like flying outside your camper or your trailer, that those designations or those um, boundaries or those lines um, blur very quickly and become not that important because what's more important is actually communicating and connecting with the people that you are sharing all of these resources with in a very tight place. Um, and I think for me during this time, it, it really gave me a sense, a renewed sense of hope and humanity that we are not bad people, that it doesn't matter what you believe in, that ultimately inherently people are good and people care. And if you give someone a chance to be human, they will. They'll show you. If you give someone the opportunity to to be their best self, they they will definitely show you that. So that's something um, which also I found, you know, in New York City living for the first time. So now, you know, here I am. I'm a, a young. I was 26 at the time, I think. And it was a new place. I There's so many people, so much noise, so much to learn so many new things like getting on the subway for the first time it was absolutely terrifying um i was staring i was told don't don't make eye contact don't engage you just stare just stare down and know where you you know know ahead of time when you're getting off so you don't have to ask anyone anything and it was very nerve-wracking um and i think anything new is scary and just like my introduction into rv life and hitching a trailer, I had never hitched anything in my life before. I had never backed up and hitched anything. I also had never driven with something hitched to my vehicle. And so learning about all of that, how to back up, how to hitch, how to unhitch, how to level the camper, how to you know use your brake controller, all of the things there was so much to learn at first it was so overwhelming and exhausting and i think i felt the same way when i was in new york first getting the hang of it i mean now it's like after i lived there for 12 years or more and uh you know it's just kind of become second habit you just you just know the drill you you're used to the metro you're uh you're used to the noise level you you know what to expect but when you first come into something like this it's very, very intense. And so I think um, that's something that uh, the two are very, very similar. And um, I think that when I first came to New York, a lot of people were like, you know, New Yorkers are so rude. 
They're so rude. No one's going to, you know, they're very, they, all they care about is themselves. They're really busy. Don't bother them. Just, you know, and that was absolutely untrue. I have to say, I have lived in many large and small cities all over the United States and New York still by far has been one of the nicest places. Uh, the people are, they're very straightforward and they're very blunt because they don't have time to, to be, you know, Southern nice. They don't have time to, you know, draw things out. They get right to the point, but they absolutely were very helpful, very welcoming, very friendly, and very helpful. And I think that that's also a very similar quality that you find with RV people or people who are traveling. They're all very busy. They have their agendas. They have what's going on. They're dealing with their rigs, but they will absolutely take the time out if they hear that you need anything and will lend a hand, lend tools, find someone to help you, connect you with the people that you need to be connected with. So, um, so yeah, so, so far, this is like, you know, matching up. As I started sitting down and making this list of like, okay, th these things are very similar, even though they seem like they shouldn't be similar at all. They are very similar. Um, and also, so the other thing is that when you are in a, when you start this obsession, this addiction to RV camping life, you start small your entry point generally might be tent camping and then maybe a uh, pop-up or a you know a teardrop and then you know all of a sudden you you get into the travel trailer size and you get you upgrade your vehicle which is what i'm in the process of doing right now and and then eventually you get to the fifth wheel and you end up going up to a fifth wheel or you end up going for the the large motor home um, and uh, you end up towing your vehicle instead. So um, one of the things that I thought was very similar, so when you're at campsites, one of my favorite things to do is to walk around and look at people's campers and their campsites. And many times you make friends and they'll invite you into their campers to show you their setup and it's just every camper is different it's so much fun to see how people set up what their storage tips are how they you know what kind of bells and whistles what kind of tools and, and gadgets that they've gotten along the way and that it's really funny because like when you when I was in my r-pod which is very it was very tiny um great great camper for for starting off but for full time it was it's small and I would go visit my friends who had these big fifth wheels. And I remember thinking, oh my God, they have so much space. They have like, they have an island that you can walk around. They have a full size open, like French door fridge and freezer. And they have a wine refrigerator and they have this huge king walk around bed and they have two sofas or a dinette and a sofa or whatever and I just remember you know it's like oh my god it's so amazing to see that much space and it's funny because when I was doing these comparisons in my mind with New York I thought this is what it's like when you go from the SRO and you visit a friend in Brooklyn or a borough outside of New York City unless you have friends that have a lot of money and are, are privileged enough to have this space in New York City but it's pretty rare so 
um, having someone, you go, you know, take the train out 45 minutes and then you go and in, in, into their apartment. It's like, oh my God, you have three rooms. You actually have like a dining room. You have a, a kitchen. You have, oh my gosh. And if they have outdoor space, that's like a bonus, 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 you know? So very coveted or, or like the roof, roof outdoor space. Very exciting. So, um, yes, it's, I, I think, my point is that when you, when you are forced to, for whatever reason, to be downsized into a very small space, for me in New York, I was forced because of uh, economics, but also my desire and my drive because I wanted to dance and I wanted to be in New York City for this reason. Um, if for other people, for RV life, it is your desire to be able to travel and to be mobile and to be able to explore and not be chained to a house in one area that you maybe you have friends and family all over the country like i do and so you want to be able to visit them easier right now with the uh, quarantine it's actually safer to be self-contained in your trailer so you don't have to actually go to a bathroom or go to a facility or all you have to worry about is sanitizing your hands when you pump your gas or fill your water tank or dump your sewer so um i think that uh there's something really there's something really amazing that it gives you this strength of character when you're forced to like let go of belongings and it kind of goes you know we touch on it with the whole idea of like living a simple life and simplifying our lives and that's a big part of it for sure i mean you know i think as i've gone through this process multiple times of i keep i keep going through my things and um i left in october for a four-month trip in the rv i was not planning on being in the rv for four months but it just it ended up happening that way in texas and um when I came back, as I'm as I'm preparing to leave my house now and and really be full time, I am looking at all the things that I packed up when I left, and I'm thinking, mm, you know, I didn't need this last four months, so I probably don't need this the rest of the year. So I can cont- I'm continually paring down so that whatever I end up putting in a storage unit is going to be just really key items, artwork, mementos, things that I. I absolutely want to save and have that I can't put in the trailer, um, but that I can I can safely store. But other than that, um, there's something really beautiful about having that nomadic life. And I think that's a dream that a lot of us have. I mean, and I think that's a dream that we're all kind of, it's a, like a reawakening right now. Um, uh, for many people, we went through the process of uh, you know, wanting to find the dream house, the dream property and planning and designing and building that out and having that perfect, you know, place that you, that's yours, that you can call your own and raise your family or, or, you know, make your community. Um, But with, with everything that's happened with COVID, I think that this has shifted us to a place again, where we are searching for whether it's because of economics of not of needing to have a place that you can live and be self-contained, but that you can afford right now, whether it's just out of necessity of like, you know, you don't want to be just locked in your house for like a year. You want to be able to go out and see nature and drive and see different scenery, be inspired by the life around you, meet people where you can safely communicate outside and with social distancing. Um, 
And I think that that's a big reason why RV sales have gone completely through the roof. The campsites are full and uh, people are kind of reawakening this idea of like how you can live that way. And I think that it's something that, you know, it's not so strange because I mean, hey, I was doing this in New York City. Many people right now are doing this in New York City and it's perfectly normal for them to be living that way and living in a single room, having very little space, no storage, all the things that I've discussed. And yet um, we might think it's weird to do this uh, in an RV. And honestly, you actually have more for your RV and the RV is less expensive. And it's something that you can own, but it's also way less expensive. I don't even know what that SRO would be if it's even available now. They probably have turned them into condos by now. But, you know, even if it's available, like how much that would be, it would probably be 2000 I would guess, a month for the same space. I have no idea. So anyway, these are just some of my thoughts. So I thought I would share with you, yes, I am an addict. I love to travel. I love to meet people. I have been absolutely privileged in my life to travel all over and live like for periods of time all over this country, I have made so many beautiful friends. I have made so many beautiful memories and I want to see those people. And I don't want to have to worry about flying or logistics. I want to bring my dog. I want to bring all my things and be able to just pull up in their driveway and camp out or pull up in a campsite somewhere nearby and camp out for a day or two and get to visit over the, around the campfire, maybe play some music and then travel on and, and go see other people. So um, I think if you are uh, able, and a lot of us are now with remote work, if you are able to do this kind of lifestyle, it's definitely worth considering and pursuing, I think. Um, and I certainly, I started off thinking I would only be doing this a couple months a year. Uh, I ended up spending probably almost five months this year at least maybe more, um, definitely the last four months concurrently uh, inside a very small trailer. And it proved to me that I could absolutely do this. And so I made the decision to downsize and sell my house and invest in a slightly larger, not a fifth wheel. I still want to be able to go to national parks and be able to mooch dock in my parents' driveway. <laughs> but uh, slightly larger with a little bit more space and uh, and some of the necessities uh, that I that I learned to need as I, I have finished my first season RVing in the RPod. So I'm really excited to step up. I'm really excited to um, embrace this life full time. And I feel like I'm really grateful for you allowing me to share this this addiction, this issue that I have. So, um, so yes, the flipping dreams podcast in you, sometimes you don't even know what dreams you're going to flip until you're actually flipping them. And apparently this is something that I deep down inside, this is something that really resonated with me and I didn't even realize it was a possibility until I tried it. You can find Flipping Dreams Podcast anywhere you love to listen to podcasts, or you can find us on RogueMediaNetwork.com. 
You can also find me on my social media, Facebook at Heather Renee May, on Instagram at underscore every day is May, or on my website at Heather Renee May. Dot com. That's Heather, R-E-N-E-E-M-A-Y dot com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.